Blog Talk Radio. May 19, 2019. Hello and welcome to Working for a Living Radio Show, where progressives for change present opinions that matter. Tonight we're joined by co-host Jeff Brown and I'm your moderator, Leroy McKnight. Please, remember, good leadership is never about power and control, but rather for the honor and privilege of serving the members in the interest of the membership. Working for a Living Radio Show is a member of the Michigan Association of Broadcasters and is syndicated on Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, Stitcher, and Player FM. You may also follow us on Twitter, at for underscore working. Our email address is workingforliving at workingforliving.com. We hope that all our listeners enjoyed Mother's Day last Sunday and that you were able to celebrate it or honor and remember any deceased mothers that you may have in your life. Okay, so we have some announcements, just a couple. I think I'll just go ahead and cover these, and then we'll bring Jeff on. Uh, so uh, the first one is uh, Working for a Living Radio Show continues to support Medicare for everyone, notwithstanding the current Senate leadership. Uh, you all know who that is, said Medicare for no one. Uh, so retirees really need to, and, and pensioners uh, with Social Security, uh, Medicare, really need to consider that. Uh, we support the end of corporations being considered legal citizens. We vehemently oppose General Motors' November 26 decision and admonish them to reverse that ill-conceived decision immediately. Uh, we continue to support uh, UAW's boycott of Mexico, uh, the Mexico-built Chevy Blazer, we, there are some rumors that may come back to the U.S. That would be nice. And we uh, continue to support the UAW Red Shirt Wednesday campaign. Uh, the second announcement is a, a company called Workhorse uh, has reportedly been in discussions to purchase the, the Lordstown property. <clears throat> so let me bring on Jeff. Hi, Jeff. How are you doing? I'm good, Leroy. How are you? Pretty good. Pretty good. We, uh, we had a uh, new member of the family arrive to this world a little over an hour ago. So oh. We got a little baby baby girl and came in. Seven pounds. Oh, in the brown? One ounce. Yes. Well, congratulations. Yes, yes my uh, great niece. No. Oh, so. good. That's good. Congratulations to everybody. Hope they're all doing well. Well, I think think Mama is very tired. She was in labor for almost 20 hours. So I imagine she's pretty well beat. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah. Okay, baby girl. Mm-hmm. Well, good. That's, that's, that's always good. Anything else going on in your part of the world there? Um... No, weather's been good. Um, I have to get up a couple of days outside this week and you know, do some things, but everything yeah, seems to be following down a good path these days. So. That's good. But, yeah, we've had two days that broke 70 degrees here in mid-Michigan, 
And uh, we've had some heavy rains, including one today already. Uh, and uh, they actually, uh, a few days ago, it was pretty heavy as well. Uh, and the river's full. Uh, you know, if we have another really, really heavy one, it'll probably go overflowing. But right now it's just full. Uh, been pretty breezy. We had some breezy. We've also had some really uh, calm and still days as well around, so it's kind of nice. Um, the uh, 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 Uber drivers were on strike, I think, the 8th of May. Was it uh, Wednesday the 8th, I think? So since we yes. last they were on strike. Um, that was interesting. I don't think it affected anything. Uh, so... Um, and uh, what else is going on? Gosh, I there is a Go ahead. Go ahead. There is a hospital in Toledo, Ohio. Um, nurses are on strike. They're new AW members, and they've been on strike about a week, maybe 10 days, and they're going to resume negotiations Monday, I believe. Mm-hmm. They're getting a lot of TV time down there in Toledo. Right, they are getting a lot of TV time. We're going to discuss that a little later in the show, too. Uh, and we support them as uh, they're on their strike uh, big time. Uh, there, a lot of people spoke, but we think they might have missed the true message behind the scenes, and we'll talk about that a little bit, uh, as in my report. Uh, so, And, of course, I know you have a lot of input for that as well. But uh, uh, What else? Uh, going on. Oh, I found out that part of the reason that the Michigan roads are so bad is because the prevailing wage for road builders and road workers, you know, the workers that build the roads, is the lowest in the entire United States. So I ran into, I know this because I ran into a a road builder who uh, is uh, um, going to Ohio on a regular basis to work there so he can make more money uh, building roads. And I found that to be very interesting, Jeff. Uh, you know, this uh, Michigan, uh, we've, we've seen some really, really bad things going on. Uh, I know the uh, one of the um, um, folks uh, in Muskegon uh, was telling me that his county board has taken a position set out contracts without prevailing wage attached to them. Now, if you might remember, about a year ago, they did away with the law that uh, required prevailing wage for any uh, municipal project, uh, and now they're doing it. They're getting away with it uh, over in Muskegon. And, and uh, some of the people that said they support labor I voted uh, against this. So it was, uh, you know, I mean, uh, in the sense that they were against uh, uh, voting against our interest on a prevailing wage. So, uh, uh, yeah, I'm getting a couple pings coming in. Let's see what we got here. Uh, okay, yeah, I got. I saw that difference there. So thanks for notifying me about uh, Much appreciated. Somebody's... Uh, using a, a different phone when they called in, but I, I, I kind of figured that. So thank you for, uh, I mean, the switchboard's pretty close to full, if not 
we see regulars in here, and, and sometimes they feel compelled to let us know that there's uh, some difference and stuff like that. But I, I can pretty much tell by their area code, uh, especially our, our followers that are uh, constantly uh, in our uh, switchboard. So thank you for everybody for coming in and listening tonight in the switchboard. We really appreciate that. Um, I uh, uh, wanted to get into the emails. I don't have too much other than that that I found to be very, very interesting uh, this past week or two weeks. Uh, and, and again, we hope everybody had a, mother, a great Mother's Day. Uh, and we uh, abated our show last uh, week for, for that. So work-life balance. Um, so, Jeff, if you want, I'm looking to see if I want to take, yeah, why don't you take the the even messages and I'll take the odd. Okay. okay. Or, no, no, you take, you, you take the odd. You start them off and I'll take the even. Yeah, that's how we'll go. All right. Sorry. Keep up the good work. Really enjoying what I'm hearing. Uh, name withheld. Right. Uh, that, that was just a synopsis. And the last statement of a, of a long thread with me, uh, a person, one of our members in the UAW, just just uh, really liking what he's heard in the last four shows. And uh, the person has uh, uh, gone back and starting listening to the beginning of the year now. So thanks uh, for all of that. Uh, but that was kind of the last sentence that summed up uh, the feelings of this member. So. Uh, number two, uh, I liked the guy a few shows ago that said uh, U.S. jobs first, name withheld. Uh, so, yeah, I believe that was Tom that, that came on and said that. So go ahead, Joe. Uh, number three, no one else is doing what you guys are doing, especially when it comes to enforcing the UAW Constitution on the bargaining agreements. We know some don't like what you are doing, but this compliance with the UAW Constitution is keeping our union strong. The name withheld. Yeah, thank you for that. We appreciate yeah. it. Yep. You're getting some pushback, but you know what? You know, do your job, everybody, and you won't have any problem. It's the UAW Constitution, and others violate it for you. But in our agreement, or in our constitution, in the preamble, says that the uh, company must uh, recognize our uh, uh, organization, and that includes our constitution. And that means they're required to do that. So we're giving you a little help here. Once they recognize us, that constitution is something they also recognize as part of our certification, and they may not violate that because of unfair labor practice. Just a little help, guys and ladies. Sorry. Um, so, uh, where are we? Four. Uh, it is disgusting when seniority members throw around paragraph eight of the GM agreement. Name withheld. Uh, occasionally, we do quote the uh, paragraph eight. Uh, let me give you a little history while we're on this, and we'll answer this email. Uh, in, in some detail. Um, paragraph 8, and they're in every agreement. This is called a management management's right clause, rights clause. Uh, and this has a, a history of uh, law in Old English common law. So it's very, very 
uh, old, uh, and it has to do with property rights. Uh, and uh, that's what, you know, it's more commonly called these days, management's rights clause. So uh, it gives management the right to run their business, and they can. Uh, they can, you know, choose where they want to have a, a facility, a plant, an office. Uh, they can uh, do just about what they want as far as scheduling, et cetera, with the caveat that we have an agreement with them, and that, that agreement limits their rights as, a, as management. Yes, they have the ability to do a lot, okay, but they can't do it all. In other words, in, in the paragraph, it uh, talks about scheduling. Well, we have plan A and plan B, okay, and we get to choose, and then that's what they're supposed to adhere to, and then they declare emergency in cases of a high uh, demand for a particular product and violate it anyhow. Uh, but that's, you know, something that the local chairpersons uh, get into and try and, you know, mitigate when it comes time uh, for these long hours that, the, you know, management would like to have us work. So that's an example that they don't have absolute rights, okay? Yeah, management can do X, Y, and Z. That doesn't mean we don't have say in X, Y, and Z, because we do. Okay, once we negotiate something, then that means they have to abide by that. So it tempers their right. For example, management would have the right to exist, uh, to exert its at-will status on our on members, except for we have an agreement, so they can't do that. We have a progressive disciplinary system in our agreements. The only state you're protected from at-will employment is Montana. If you're not a union member in any other state other than Montana and you don't have an agreement with the, you know, a union agreement with your employer, then you're subject to at-will. Now, at-will means the company manager of the company can come up to you, walk up to you for no reason whatsoever, no cause at all, and say, you no longer work here. And you say, why? I don't have to give you a reason. You no longer work here. That's what management would say. And it's legal for them to do that. Now, are you going to get unemployment? Absolutely, because you weren't discharged for cause. But if you don't have an agreement with a you know, union agreement, management can do that. So you, that's another example where the management's rights clause is mitigated by our union contract. Notwithstanding that it's in the agreement, we have other clauses and paragraphs in our agreement that mitigate their absolute right. For example... They may not close a plant during the course of the agreement. Okay, they're trying to do that. It sure looks like they're doing that in Lordstown and at Baltimore, Maryland. Okay, and we're going to talk a little bit about that in a minute. Uh, but, you know, we have an agreement and we can try and exact essential justice for the membership with the court structure. 
if we need to, to go outside the the uh, agreement. If they can't, we can't get essential justice in the agreement. So, and that's being done. There's a court uh, a case about closing the plant at Lordstown. We'll see what happens with that. Uh, there's a lot of discussion about which way it might go, and it might not be worth anything if they don't do any if they don't act on it uh, properly. And that's kind of we were real hard on them for not uh, adding a, a pair or a, uh, I think it's paragraph 60 rule. I'm sorry, federal court rule 65, which meant the, they wanted to have a, uh, a um, immediate decision okay, in the case. Okay, so that didn't that didn't happen when they filed it, so, and that would have given them like 12 days or 14 days, something like that, for some what's called summary judgment. Uh, and you know, I'm talking some of these terms, they're legal terms, and if you have any question, I'm always going to say this, if you have any question about what we're saying and you want clarification, please seek your own personal attorney to, to get some clarification on that. But you can read it also. It's also all of what we're talking about is available. So paragraph 8 uh, is in the agreement, but people just throwing it around to say, yeah, they can do what they want. Yeah, I suppose they can. Okay, yeah, they can. But, for example, you know, when they push too hard, someone that's actually not elected, like us here at Working for a Living, and myself in particular, can come along and say, hey, let's take a look at uh, the uh, laws of treason as they affect a corporate citizen. And they're not there, by the way, because this is new new law, and some of the, the new law is... Uh, uh, not subject to all the, uh, the statutory laws of the United States or, or or case law of the United States. In this case, you know, a person, individual, human, can be tried for treason, but there's no provisions for a corporation to be tried for treason. Okay, so you bring that kind of heat on the corporations, and they're squealing, believe me. They're talking to every politician in the country trying not to go to jail over this. Or, as are the cases that are, the humans have been found guilty of treason. They've been hung by the neck until dead. So there's a whole lot of machinations going on, uh, and uh, we can tell because the politicians are clamming right up, and that's okay. They're trying to cover their little butt, but uh, it's it's fine. It's fine. We're just going to keep on pushing, pushing hard. And whether they like it or not, uh, you know, we're going to get our pound of flesh out of them. So paragraph 8 shouldn't be thrown around on the floor. To the idea that it exists, yes, it does exist. And it will be in every union agreement between a company and a membership for all time. It's just that, that way. It's something they will keep. They try to say, oh, you have... Uh, you know, partnership in the, in the corporation. But in the end, they'll stand on that paragraph and not let us. Okay? But we push back pretty hard, as you have seen, against everybody. So that's probably as good as explanation about paragraph 8, the Management's Rights Clause, its history, and how it's mitigated in our union, in, our, in particular in our union. So whether it's in our agreement or outside sources, because quite frankly, some of the elected officials 
cannot do some of the things that we can do here on Working for a Living, and we do it in support of our leadership and in the interest of the membership. So having said that, uh, Jeff, you want to take off with number five, please? Yeah, number five. Thank you, especially Jeff, for educating us all on the UAW Constitution and for leading the way in the enforcement of it for the benefits of all of us members. That's the name we tell. And you are welcome, little people. Um, right. We are glad to do this. Yeah, they, they, a lot of people have uh, been talking about your constitutional series, Jeff, and uh, we're getting that, of course, now that that uh, it's come time to actually use it. I mean, we didn't quite get through it all, but we got through some of the things that uh, we wanted to we, at some point. But right now there's a lot going on, uh, so we'll educate you kind of on the fly because we are enforcing the Constitution against the CBAs, okay? Uh, and they, again, management accepts us and our certification with the NLRB and them they accepted us. That includes our Constitution, so they have to abide by it themselves. So this isn't just going to be enforced against the uh, folks at the bargaining table on our side. We'll take a look at getting management as well, okay, because they're supposed to be abiding by this, and that's unfair labor practice. They don't recognize our organization in total, including our Constitution, and that deals with the interest of the membership, and uh, and we'll get into that a little later in the uh, uh, temporary limits on that. So, but uh, okay, well, you know, Jeff, I think, and obviously everybody else is thinking you're doing good with that Constitution stuff. We appreciate it. So, uh, number six, and this is the last email. Working for a living, thank you for staying the course, remaining independent, and keeping your message solid and not diluted. Names, names withheld. Uh, thank you for that. Uh, as you know, many of you know, we've been asked to uh, work with everybody, uh, and there's just some people out there that uh, um, uh, are in violation. We'll just say that. Uh, so we're real careful who we align ourselves with, and anybody we've aligned ourselves with is in complete compliance with federal law and the UAW Constitution. So please know and understand that, with maybe one exception temporarily that we were forced into. Uh, and I'll not leave that as it is. Having said that, uh, where are we at here? Okay, definitions. Uh, I'm going to do, I guess it's my turn to do the uh, the definition, and Jeff's going to get the quote this week. So, uh, um, WWOP, often referred to as WAPT, or WAP, uh, WOP is a legal term meaning with draw without prejudice. And you see this in some court cases, and you see it, um, we see it more uh, in our own union when somebody withdraws a, uh, a grievance. And usually that's done in the collective bargaining process uh, when it's to negotiating times. And they'll say these have more merit when it has a little less merit. Therefore, we'll, you know, we'll um, get 
this one resolved and this one might get whopped, for example. And, and you know, some people, you know, write a bunch of grievances coming in, going into contract time just so they have some things to whop from the table. And that's an old strategy that uh, has been done along. You don't see it too much anymore. It used to be a lot of it. So there would be, you know, maybe, you know, on a large local union, 60 or 70 ongoing uh, grievances that they hadn't resolved. And all of a sudden there would be, you know, anywhere from three to 500. Uh, and so that, that had some merit, but uh, they, they'd uh, get, get them resolved and, uh, and want uh, the ones that they uh, could in order to resolve the, this uh, that seemed to have uh, a little more trouble getting resolved. So uh, just a little, that's a negotiating strategy, you know, from long days ago, and uh, some people still use it. So, Jeff, what's the uh, quote this week, bro? Giswick's quote is, there is no greater calling than to serve your fellow men. There is no greater contribution than to help the weak. There is no greater satisfaction than to have done it well. And that's by our famous leader, Walter Luther. Right. Jeff, do you have any example of somebody that was weak that you tried to help? Well, I've done a lot of them over the years. Yeah, give us one. I'm um, kind of blanking you here, but go ahead. <laughs> yeah, basically, it was on a personal level for people who may have some type of health problem or addiction problem, and they've come to me for help, and that would set them with the proper people and agencies to uh, get them the help they needed. It's that that type of stuff. Um, I coached Little League Baseball for a lot, many years back in the 80s. You know, I taught the kids. We had uh, one kid who didn't get a hit most of the year. Um, So, like, we had a very, very close game, and he was about to bat. And I called him up, and I took him outside the dugout, and I said, you watch that ball from the pitcher's hand all the way to you. And sure enough, he got a hit on that very first pitch. Uh, and then I ran into his father probably about 18 years later. And his father told me he made all-state baseball in high school. So that, that made me feel really good. You know, it's those things like that, those little things. Um, it doesn't have to be nothing major. But, you know, we had uh, a gentleman who was in the shop. He was in his 60s, I was walking down the hallway, and he was looking at the seniority list. He said, Jeff, I sure would like to go to Black Lake sometime. And somebody said, I said, everybody should go at least once. Um, And sure enough, the opportunity came about a week later where he could go, and I got him there, and he was just so happy that uh, he finally went to Black Lake. And the day he retired, he kept telling Spike got me in the Black Lake. Spike got me in the Black Lake. And um, we were happy to help him do that. Everybody should get a chance to go to Black Lake during their time. It's a beautiful place. 
great food, great scenery. Um, just if you can go. Yeah, wonderful I'm history. Ask you, go. Yes, yeah. great history. Right. Lucille Ball and Desi Arnaz had the honeymoon there back mm-hmm. years ago. Before we yeah, took before it was owned by us, before UAW owned it. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah. Um, I've got three in mind. I'm going to go ahead and say I'm going to do them in uh, reverse chronological order. A uh, local convenience store uh, has a little uh, change thing that they uh, put, uh, and there are several uh, that are like a, a chain of convenience stores in the in the uh, uh, blighted area of the Lansing, Michigan area. When I get in there, I will uh, go ahead and uh, uh, take my extra change that they give me and put it in this little pot. What they do with it, in case a little kid comes in, a lot of these kids are homeless, and go to a homeless shelter with their uh, custodian uh, at night and live there and say homeless in the sense that they do have a roof over their head most of the time. But they might want to come in and get a bag of chips or something. So I'll throw my change into that little pot so that the kids will be able to get a bag of chips. And if I see them after school and they're in there kind of milling around looking like they want, you know, a little hungry and want a bag of chips, I'll just say, you want some chips? And I'll just go ahead and buy them for them, help these little kids that are weak and have no means to get money and just just be good to them so they have a little something while I'm there or while I'm not there. So I I try to reach out and be good to the young uh, a lot of these young kids are, you know, under sixth, sixth grade. They're just, you know, anywhere fourth to sixth grade or something like that. They're just out and they're riding your bike or walking or something. So, but And you never, you know, I never see them more, more than once usually, but it's just, you know, it happenstance if you see run into them. Um, and I do that. Uh, and, and then on Friday I, I had lunch with a friend of mine. This friend of mine uh, about... Uh, probably say eight years ago, probably eight or nine years ago, um, had a problem. Well, first of all, you need to know that he was uh, one of the top salespersons for local newspaper. And when they started shrinking, they cut their most expensive people first, and he was first to go. And then it was downhill for him for a long time. And he he uh, uh, was driving back and forth to a minimum wage job with his car and his car burned up at work for whatever reason the wires got you know hot and melted and the whole thing burned up so for a solid year I picked him up at home drove him to work he worked midnights and I'd pick him up in the morning get up early and take him home for a year I did that free and did it freely. You help the weak when you can. I didn't ask for anything from him, and we went to lunch Friday just to, you know, celebrate our friendship over time because I knew him before he fell on bad times. The other thing that this person wasn't necessarily in in uh, bad stead, but he was weak in the sense that he, he had a dilemma. He was a young man in 10th grade. And uh, I was dating his mother, and uh, she asked me to go pick him up from 
wrestling practice. And I'd pick him up every day after wrestling practice, ask him how it's going. And if there's one thing I know how to do, usually is win. And uh, he said, I can't win. I can't beat this kid. I'm, I'm stronger. I'm faster. I have better technique, but I can't beat him. And I said, do you understand what, why that is? He says, no. I said, will you tell me? I says, no. I know what it is, but I'm not going to tell you, but I'm going to ask you every day if you figured it out. Every day I'd ask him. And one day he got in the car. He looked at me. He had a big old grin on his face. I said, I figured it out. I figured it out. And I said, what? He said, it's mental. I said, it's correct. You have to be mentally prepared to go one second longer than your opponent in wrestling. And when you get that, then you can be successful. A year and a half later, well, past his mother and I, friendship, although we're, we remain friends today, um, uh, I get a call from Chrysler Arena. That's the basketball court at Michigan, University of Michigan. She's a MSU grad, uh, and she uh, she says, uh, hi. I said, how you doing? What's up? She said, I just want to call to thank you. I says, why? Well, we're here at Chrysler Arena, and my son, I won't say his name, uh, is wrestling for the state finals in his bracket. Now, he didn't win, but he was he wrestled for the state finals. And she said, I want to thank you for teaching my son how to win. That's one of the nicest phone calls I ever got, by the way. Uh, and then... Uh, as it happens, uh, 12 years later or so, he graduated from U of M along with his pal from East Lansing High School, who was the founder of Google, and my young friend and the founder for Google, his classmate from high school, sat in an apartment down there and developed the first algorithm for Google. So he took his winning from wrestling on into life, and he's doing very well these days. Uh, he doesn't get much credit for being part of that technical thing because he didn't, you know, get into the development of the company itself, but he had a hand in it. There's a lot of other people that are technicians that have had a hand in the Google, but he was in the, uh, the inception of the first one, so I'm kind of proud to see young people that I've had a, a, a interaction with, move on and take it not only from when they met me, but on into life well after. So those are three examples that I've done with people that are absolutely distressed or in need and weak or just didn't understand how to win. And so that those are kind of nice things. So, um, so that's it. And Jeff, you know, you've, you've done yours and, and people like us, do this every day. These are just a few examples of, from us. But I see some examples from, uh, you see some of the president's post, some nice things that they're doing and have done and, and create this and make sure that it helps the, the community at large. And, you know, the, the, the baseball, basketball coaches, you know, we know we have, uh, you know, one of our team has uh, uh, had a, basketball coach. Looks like he might want to say something himself here, so let's bring him on, and then we'll get on to the rest of the show after we'll bring him on here. This is uh, somebody that coached basketball for a long time. 
here. We'll bring him on. Let's see if he's going to come on here. There we go. Good evening, Leroy. Hi, Tom. How are you doing? Good evening. I know you had your hand up there for a while. I want to finish what we're talking about here. So, yeah. Yeah, you I just wanted to give you an opinion, my own personal opinion, on what you and Jeff have been talking about. And uh, I can't think of any uh, better people out there that uh, go ahead with the UAW Constitution and tie it in with the national agreement and the language uh, and how it uh, uh, parallels each other and how it should parallel each other and how far off track we have gotten through our negotiations for uh, collective bargaining agreements uh, of the big three from the founders of the UAW and the Constitution itself. And uh, I tell you what, the last three shows that I've listened to um, have been great shows in regards to informing the membership across the board on what to look for in this upcoming negotiations. You guys, uh, I can't thank you enough because I ran into a group of people having coffee the other day. I finally got free for for a minute, and uh, we, we sat down and talked, and a few of them listened to the show. And they asked me uh, personally questions as it related to them here locally with the Lordstown situation. And I told them, basically, you need to talk to your elected leadership. You have some great people out there. And if you don't think things are right uh, and you get information from a program such as this, or you do your own research, you put your nose into the book and, and, and find out facts yourself, uh, how much better you're going to be able to address the leadership in in a uh, common ground situation, not as an adversarial person going up there trying to make the president or the chairman of the local union look bad, because I, as an elected official, I, as a basketball coach, I, as a leader in wherever I chose to be, learned a long time ago, we're all in this together. And if we don't look at it from that perspective and we look at each other as the enemy, we are surely going to lose but you two guys, I'll tell you what, I have never been so proud to have known two individuals in regards to what you two have been doing out here trying to help the membership in regards to what we actually need to do collectively. I know the elected uh, executive board at the International, uh, for one, is picking up on some of this. I don't know whether they listen to the shows or not. But I'll tell you what, a lot of my friends that I made over the years while I was an elected official certainly do tune in and certainly do make comments about where have we gone and how do we get back to where we've been. And I'm sorry I took up a lot of time here, but I'm waiting for my next assignment. I'm healed, and I'm ready to go. So anytime you guys want me on that airplane, I'm ready to go. Okay, John. Well, don't sell yourself short because, you know, we we discuss – a lot of what we do together uh, in our little team that we have on. And, uh, of course, your input's always more than welcome. And uh, listen to, uh, you know, uh, with intent, uh, intensity and, uh, and certainly uh, genuineness. Uh, so we, we appreciate all of your input as well and all of the travel that you do to, to get us some of the facts that are required to develop such things. Uh, these are, uh, you know, not 
not lost on either Jeff or myself. So thank you for doing everything you do, and uh, we're glad that your uh, back healed up a little bit. You had a little uh, malady there for a minute, but we're we're happy to have you back in good stead now. So thanks for everything you do too, Tom. Uh, you can stay there if you want and just uh, pop in. Well, you might want to mute your phone if there's any background noise, but I'll leave you in uh, open mic right now, uh, and uh, we'll continue with the show. So just pop in any time. Just give us a little bit of a, a heads up when you want to come in and say anything. Uh, thanks again. Yeah, I'll sure do that. I uh, What got caught my eye uh, on the program information when you were posting to the pages was uh, a topic uh, that was quite hot uh, at, at over coffee in regards to this workhorse situation and uh, people being informed, thinking that they're automatically going to get a job there. But uh, uh, I'm sure you'll clear that, that uh, misnomer up real quick. I tried to explain to them they're buying a company. No, they're not. They're buying property. So uh, I'm, I'm sure you're going to touch bases with that and, uh, I know there are, there are six people out there for sure that had coffee with me that are listening tonight, and uh, they don't have to rely on my my opinion and uh, as far as what I told them. I think they'll find that uh, what uh, I told them to be factual. So uh, I try to help out as much as I can. Okay, go to it, guys, and I'll just sit back and listen. I really enjoy the programs you've been putting on while I was laid up. I Excellent last two programs, and I'll tell you what, you guys hit, are hitting a spot with the membership uh, in two two locations that I know of that I keep in touch with people. So uh, thanks for having me again, and I'll, I'll try to keep as quiet as I can. I tend to get long-winded sometimes. Uh, that's fine. You, you come on anytime you want. But, uh, you know, if you have any background noise, it's sometimes best once you're, I leave you in mic, open mic here, uh, if you want to just mute your phone so that uh, – uh, that's some of the background noise might not come through. But if you don't have any, just leave it open. It doesn't matter. So, um, if there's no background noise, that is. So, uh, having said that, yeah, thanks again, Tom. Uh, and uh, we we got through those contributions, and now uh, kind of going to recap. We've been talking about it all all along, but we want to recap for the the listeners uh, exactly and specifically what we're talking about. So we're going to recap. Uh, the, uh, the the deal with the temporary language, and I believe at least all of our UAW members understand that the temporaries uh, have no uh, automatic pathway to seniority, as it turns out. It's at the pleasure of the parties, uh, and, uh, and they make some agreement later. But it used to be that we had a 90-day window, and they could uh, have a probationary time for the 90 days, and then they became seniority employees and members of our union, uh, seniority members of our union, and uh, could participate in all the benefits that we've worked hard for and given up other things in order to get. And uh, one, a couple of those are the uh, sub uh, benefits, supplemental un- unemployment benefits called sub, and uh, also the ability to transfer uh, with their job. Uh, or transfer to another spot if they had a plant closing. Uh, uh, and uh, a lot of the temporaries have not been afforded that in some of these closings. Uh, to recap, well, we're, we're, uh, we're going to recap this temporary language first. 
So you're, everybody's aware of that. Jeff, would you like to read what the Constitution says in Article 13, Section 22, regarding work permits that are allowed by sure. any company that the UAW does business with? Sure can. So here it goes. Pay attention. It shall be left to the discretion of the local union to determine the duration of the period for which work permits are issued. In no case, however, shall work permits be issued to any worker for a period of more than three consecutive months. It's still in the Constitution, and people are violating it, people being abused. Uh, My plant just went down to one shift, and all of the part-timers no longer have a job. And And they can't get sub, they can't transfer to another plant, and the jobs that are are in the plant, many of those had the time study done uh, with them on the job under under, uh, threat of discharge, okay, and then they had to work so hard that, you know, them and their subsequent people on the job that they have to take and get pain meds in order to do the job, and then the company cuts them off of the pain meds, and then they go to the street to get the pain meds, thus contributing to the opioid crisis in our country. And this needs to stop, and we're going to enforce the, the Constitution against everybody that has anything to do with this agreement not just our union side, but management as well, because under certification for our union, when they accepted us, under the, the, the uh, National Labor Relations Act, they accepted our union in total, including our Constitution, and management can't violate it either, or it's a you know bargaining in bad faith. And once we start a new uh, uh, statute of limitations, we're going to enforce it all, okay? Because everybody's talking about a clean slate agreement. We've heard that out of Gary Jones and Terry Didis. Clean slate agreement. That's what we're going to have. Clean slate agreement, and it's going to comply with our Constitution. The next issue that we talked about a couple of weeks ago uh, is the whole notion of Appendix K. This is uh, the competitive uh, clause. Uh, and, uh, Jeff, would you like to read what Appendix K, this is in part, it's not the entire thing, but it, uh, this yeah. is a uh, section out of Appendix K. Would you like to read that, please? Sure. This is paragraph two. The parties have pledged to continue working together consistent and with this understanding and other provisions of the national agreement to enhance the company's competitive position. So the, the, the agreement says that the parties have pledged, that means the UAW, to enhance the company's competitive position. That means, that, you know, that to be competitive, you can't have higher wages. You, you uh, To be competitive, you have to you know, have the jobs work harder and do more, okay? So the the union, the parties, 
both parties, are now in the agreement saying that they are uh, required to have a competitive, uh, enhance the company's competitive position. Well, we, we have a problem with that. Uh, would you like to read the Constitution and see what that says, Jeff? And this is, go ahead and read it. What section? What yeah, this is Article 2, your objects. Pay attention. Section 1, to improve working conditions, create a uniform system of shorter hours, higher wages, health care and pensions, to maintain and protect the interests of the workers under the jurisdiction of this international union. This is a very important clause in the Constitution that has not been abided by for the last several contracts. I'd say arguably the last three contracts, uh, so 7, 11, and 15. Uh, so uh, as you can see, one in the collective bargaining agreement says that our union is required to enhance the company's competitive position, but our Constitution says we're to maintain and protect the interests of the workers in direct conflict with what the, the CBA collective bargaining agreement says. So let's, let's make sure that everybody understands that this needs to get enforced with regard to our Constitution. And we should never have a collective bargaining agreement that violates our Constitution. And what that does, it makes sure that our union has a labor ethos and not a company ethos or otherwise called colloquially a company union. We need to get back to having our union be a union in the interest of the membership that has a labor ethos, E-T-H-O-S, okay? So both of these areas, and there's some more that we're going to get into, we're still researching, both of these violate the UAW Constitution and are very problematic if they're allowed to remain in the contract. And believe me, I personally am committed and convicted, but others have picked up this mantle and are talking about it in their own circles. And if it isn't us, it'll be somebody else. So if you try to just kill me off or something, that's not going to help you because there's other people that are capable of picking this mantle up and running with it, and they're going to do it. They're talking about it in their own circles. And thank you for that, folks. We're trying to demonstrate leadership here, and we discussed this before we bring it all out so that we're not, you know, doing something we shouldn't be doing here. But... Um, and that everybody can at least buy into this. So we have agreement uh, in uh, doing this and going forward this. So, uh, and this was also in our June 2019 caucus plan, our plan as a caucus to address appropriately. And we're, you know, it, we didn't, we weren't successful uh, at convention, but we're going to address it in our plan, just like we. We've been doing for a while, and we're getting feedback from places on high that gives us to uh, know that that's uh, occurring, you know, that they get what we're doing here is in accordance with our plan. So thank you. Uh, so having said that, nothing changes if nothing changes. In other words, we have to see some change from all this. Okay. So um, to the, the topics 
our, of our highlighted teaser that we had. Uh, Jeff, jump in here wherever you want to, but I'm going to start. This was kind of my bailiwick here tonight. Uh, and uh, but jump, feel free to jump in or, or Tom, either one, because you're both, both uh, live here. So, um, but I'm gonna, if you have any questions, I might not have uh, covered uh, so well. Um, there, on November 26th, there were four United States plants and one Canadian plant talked about being unallocated or closed. I think they said closed originally and then they went to unallocated. And a lot of people, that was a foreign term, unallocated. And we've heard it a lot in here in Lansing uh, when we just didn't have a product that they were going to give us to build at the assembly plants here in Lansing. And we would be unallocated for a while, but they never really closed anything. Okay, they didn't shut down or lay off dramatically to where there was just a few people in the plant and perhaps subject to be closed or already closed at some time. So, uh, and, and they'd get they'd get product, you know, and people weren't necessarily displaced. Uh, and of course, we had the jobs bank at, at some point. Uh, I don't want to get into it too much, but I'll just say the jobs bank got a, bl a bad black eye. It came into our agreement in 1984, along with the corporate seniority that I had something to do with. So everybody that's moving from place to place, okay. Yours truly wrote a, uh, an article in a Flint journal, and it's uh, in my uh, profile, if you check our website, that, that article's there, uh, that uh, caused a lot of consternation with the international to the point that I was called in many times and, and called on the phone many times with the uh, regional director and assistant regional director at the time, Stan Marshall and Ruben Burks. You probably know those names. I got uh, Ruben's son and I worked together for some 20 years before he passed away. So there's a little history there. But I, they kept asking me what what should we do about this because they kind of violated the uh, seniority. I says, well, we need to have some sort of uh, get our, our our time, our full time, even if it's after one year. Well, they didn't give us that time after one year, but they gave us anybody after January 7 of 1985, everybody hired after that, you take your time with you. And that's a direct result of those discussions between me and the International Union. Uh, but the other thing that came into being is the jobs bank in that agreement. And that was so that if management laid off two people and here and sent two jobs overseas or to Mexico, that we would get one person in a jobs bank that would do community service or simply do nothing, sit in a classroom somewhere, take a class if they want or whatever they want to do, and get paid full wage. It's called a jobs bank. And that was a protection about work leaving our country. So and when I talk about some of these people that didn't get displaced, some of them would just go to the jobs bank until they were needed and get called back in because the product had been allocated. So we didn't see the big displacements then that we're seeing today, is my point. Um, so there were four plants, getting back to that, of course, Baltimore, Lordstown, Warren, Hamtramck, and Oshawa, Canada. 
Baltimore, Maryland closed, to our best understanding, last week. They closed the plant. Uh, You know, technically they haven't closed it, but they laid off everybody and the gates are locked. There are about 14 people left at Lordstown, to my understanding, some leaders and a few others. And the gates are, to my understanding, to be locked, chained uh, in a couple of weeks. We don't know that for sure, but that's sort of what's sort of been thrown out there. Uh, We're unclear on exactly how many may be left at Warren, and Hamtramck's been uh, extended for a couple of years. Uh, They have uh, product there for at least a a year or so. So that's just in Oshawa, uh, they're doing buyouts, et cetera, there. So that's for all intents and purposes being closed. Uh, so so what happens? What do you use? Baltimore, Maryland. Okay, so they've laid off everybody, and they've chained the gates there. The plant isn't officially closed until the end of the agreement. There's an agreement there. But nobody put any contract demands in for the 2019, to our knowledge, to the, for the 2019 agreement. And without demands, you can't extend the agreement. It'll just expire on September 14th because there's no demands to have a new agreement on September 15th. Everybody understand that? If there are no demands, then the contract simply expires. Now, there's a lot of people on high telling folks at Lordstown, we're working hard to get you uh, agreement or work there. Okay? So they're working hard to get work there. Again, just like Baltimore, if the people no longer populate the plant and there are no demands for a new agreement, the agreement expires on September 14th. So those people telling you that they're working hard to get you work under the GM umbrella, in our opinion, my opinion, are disingenuous because they would be giving you direction to ask for a new agreement. Put in demands, even if it's just to maintain the current agreement. Okay? So that you have something on the table and if they refuse to receive it, management, that is in violation of the National Labor Relations Act, unfair labor practice. Okay, Let's see if I have that up here. I lost it probably. The National Labor Relations Act says that if a company sells a company, sells a business, if a company sells a business to a third party, the third party is required to negotiate with union employees of the previous company they're buying it from, the business they're buying it from. Okay? As is the case with Baltimore and may soon be the case with Lordstown, 
okay? If they buy in a business, they have to deal with the union as it exists at the business. On September 14th, if there are no demands on the table for a, a 2019 agreement for the next four years, and the company says, we have now closed this plant on September 15th, it is no longer a business with people and union considerations. There's no union agreement that the incoming company has to abide by. Now, is there? We've been discussing this for some time, by the way, and we ran it by the International Service and Rep. We had somebody do that. And the International Service and Rep had no clue, completely lost, unlike myself, who've seen it, who's seen it happen at least three times where a contract expired or their certification was pulled. Okay, so if somebody offers to buy a business and there's a union there and members and people working there, they have to abide by the union's agreement and have to deal with any extended contract if there's people working and there's a union there. If you no longer have a union agreement and there are no people working there, it's simply property. It's no longer a business. It's simply property with buildings on it that may become a business under new leadership or new ownership, rather. But it's simply property on September 15th with no union members in the plant no union agreement in force, no negotiations for a union agreement in place. It is simply property with no business attached to it that can be purchased by any other company, and there's no requirement to do diligence with a, with a union working with them by the National Labor Relations Act. It'd be a violation of the National Labor Relations Act, one, if current management, General Motors, refused to receive demands for an extension of the existing agreement on through 2019 up into, what would it be, uh, 2023, four years. Okay? That'd be a violation of the National Labor Relations Act and it'd be unfair labor practice. In our opinion, that's what it'd be. You go, go talk to your, like Tom and I've said earlier, you know, if you have questions, go go seek out your own legal counsel here because talk to your own lawyer. We're just giving you our opinion, our well-experienced opinion, by the way. So you have to be careful of people telling you they are working in your interest and you have no protection beyond September 14th. They're telling you two different things, and they're absolutely in conflict with one another. One is they're not giving you direction to start negotiations 
that has to happen pretty snap fast if they are indeed going to close the plant or chain the gates here in the next few weeks or however long. If there's nobody in the facility and there's no new agreement on the table or negotiations on the table, that contract expires on September 14th. I can't say that enough. Okay? And that the, the language in the National Labor Relations Act or the National Labor Relations Board, as they de uh, define it, says if they buy an existing business, they must comply with the contract and deal with the union membership there. If the union membership and there's no is gone and there's no business being conducted on the property, it's simply property. And they can buy it as property and then do whatever they want after the fact. Now, obviously, the international will be working for an agreement at that location. But it's not a General Motors facility, so anybody thinking they're going to go to work under the GM umbrella after your agreement expires, and somebody else owns the, com the company, you know, those are called wolftails in some people's books. You know, they're selling wolftails on you. Be careful of listening to wolftails. The local union leadership is doing a damn good job, but they need to remember very clearly that they represent the interests of the membership and should act accordingly regardless of what somebody's telling them that is in conflict with their best interest of the membership. And if they're telling you that they, if you make waves, that they'll pull all of that, that is a union violation of unfair labor practice. See, it goes both ways in the agreement. There's 29 U.S.C. 158A for companies and 159, 58B for unions. And you may not threaten to withhold or get special favors in order to get your way. We're just being frank here. Everybody needs to understand management is manipulating this. Jeff, you got something to say? You want to jump in there? No, go ahead, Leroy. Keep going. Okay, thank you. Tom, you, you good with what's going on here now? So I'll take that as yes. Uh so uh just just know that buying a business with a union in place and members working is different than buying vac or buying property with buildings on it with no union in place and no members working. Two different things. And this is a real slick way by court. And this, I've, I'm, I'm on record of writing this. I think it's a very slick way of trying to bust our union. And it's a very bad precedent for the international to allow to occur in the, in the name of trying to help the membership when I don't believe that's going on here. My opinion. So let's let's all be real, real upfront on this. So somebody's made a comment. Let's see if we have an ongoing comment here. 
Uh, let's see. Somebody said something. Oh, that's a long post. Oh, well, that's dealing with some of the FBI stuff going on. We'll, we're not talking about that tonight, but we'll we'll get into it another time. Thank you uh, for that, Gigi. Uh, just know that we're watching here. Trying to keep up with current, current any comments and stuff. So having said that, uh, that's, uh, you know, uh, what may happen. We don't know what's going to happen, but it's already happened at Baltimore. We know that as best of our knowledge. It may happen here, and there's, there's, a, there's at least one thing that can be done to at least keep the membership's interest considered, and that's make sure you throw some demands for an extension of the agreement, even if it's to keep the current agreement, okay? Because on September 15th, everything changes. If there's nobody in the plan, that's if, and if there's no business being done. It's not no longer a business. It's just simply property with buildings. Okay. So, having said that, um, any any questions by either uh, Jeff or Tom on this on that issue, and then we'll get in the next one and close around. No, I'm good, Zero. Did a good job. Yeah, I, I could I I couldn't say it any better than uh, what you said. It we pretty much uh, said the same thing uh, with the working group that I had there and uh, over coffee and donuts. So right to the point. Right. And we've been discussing this uh, in our group for some time. And we've said that there could be some things happening out there. And then by, by golly, it's manifested just like we started discussing several months ago. But we didn't want to get everybody all uptight about it. You know, because we already got people out there committing suicides and stuff. So let's, if ever any, anybody's on the edge, get some help. I mean, we got people out there that are signed up on the uh, members of the UAW, uh, or not, I'm sorry, friends of uh, uh, GM friends. What's your site, Tom? General Motors friends. General Motors right? friends. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's correct. Go there. And if you're not a member there, he'll add you. But there's people signed up to be uh, just a mentor or just in listening here. But if you need help and you can't afford it, you know, there's people there that will that have volunteered to give you a little bit of a hand and maybe get you in the right direction if, you, if you're having a moment here. Okay, so uh, just, just hang in there. You know, everybody, a lot of people are working very hard, you know, to make sure that that area – I'm, you know, some of you may not know, I grew up there, okay, uh, in, in Youngstown, and uh, 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 the whole area there, and, you know, that enough said about that. So, um, so uh, and let me just change subject now. Uh, we got another issue that's ongoing that we want to talk about uh, on strike Okay, and replaced. Uh, I think I've covered that that teaser that I put out here. Let me make sure I got the teaser covered that I put out. You know, contract expires, what then? Well, you know, that's kind of what we said. Hopefully the new company would have a contract with, with our union, but that's not required if they're just buying property because the business no longer exists there. So, again, so let's go on to the strike uh, and the nurses strike and the hospital strike down there in Toledo at local uh, 14. 
a lot of people came in this past week and showed solidarity, and that's a wonderful thing. It's great to have solidarity. Even donate a little bit to the kitty to make sure that somebody falling through the cracks can't pay their heater light bill or anything like that and make sure that they have a little money for that fund to make sure everybody, you know, get through this strike. Yeah, they're getting strike pay. That's not a lot of money these days. So uh, when you consider the cost of living, actually, and what they're used to living. Uh, so somebody's mortgage or a light bill or car or something, you know, you know the uh, natural gas or something like that might need to get a little assistance and everybody come in and they were all blustering about we we're here we got your back and and we do we have your back the best we can okay we're a union everybody needs to understand that but in the end that support without money is pretty hollow and shallow and while they were talking on that trailer podium what wasn't said was the real problem you see 30 years ago this year came to my attention and we began to work for it for several years what was called then Senate Bill 1 and the history of Senate Bill 1 is the owner of the Pistons, who was also Pistons, you know, Detroit Pistons, who at that time was also a big manufacturer, not the current. I don't want to get into the current membership or ownership. It's completely different. This, I think, is Davison or Davis or something like that was the owner back then. He owned manufacturing, and he began to uh, implement a small, unknown portion of the National Labor Relations Act that said you could permanently replace workers on strike. He was the one that started this bullshit. So since the middle 80s, when he began doing that, we tried to pass Senate Bill 1 and its House commensurate bill, but we wanted to start in the Senate because that's really where we needed to get passed. And we were one short, one vote short in both the uh, 8990 and the 9091 cons- uh, Congresses. Clinton got elected, and we no longer pushed that. He didn't push it.
of workers while they're on strike. So we didn't get that law reversed. And we've been dealing with it. And all the union leaders at the top have to say, oh, the laws are against us. We can't go out on strike. But they never tell you what it is. And you're hearing it here for sure. The laws against us, it's a single law that we could have corrected in the late 80s. Under an, you know, we couldn't get it uh, in the late 80s. But we could have got in the early 90s. And that's unfortunate that we didn't get that overturned. It's not that we won unfair advantage, but certainly we've been taken unfair advantage of now, haven't we? Especially in the last 30-some years, 30 years since I've been working to get Senate Bill 1 or any replacement bill like it passed that would stop the permanent replacement of workers on strike. And there are whole professional industries that have popped up in order to try and take advantage of us because of that. There's a company up in uh, Minnesota that helped Honeywell to do that when they were on lockout in South Bend, Indiana. They're back to work, but all their retirees lost everything. Health care, their pensions are protected to the degree that they can be, but they lost all their health care in order to go back under the collective bargaining agreement. So um, what should have been articulated at that trailer, because it's our understanding while everybody was out front blustering and showing off and blowing horns and, and yelling and screaming, which is cool, management walked in strike permanent striker replacements through the doors of the hospital while everybody was standing out there, and there was no protest at the hospital doors against that and no discussion about how wrong that is and why we should have a law that changes that and prevents it in the future. In 1989 and 90 and 91 and 92, that was the administration of George Herbert Walker Bush. And all of the Democrats in the Senate supported Senate Bill 1 that would have reversed the Wagner Act, little-known single line of verbiage. And everybody that thinks that they're a Republican out there needs to understand that your wages are much lower, your pensions and health care have been suppressed and diminished and may be cut in the future, Working conditions have been d- diminished by and through these temporaries. All of that is because it's harder to go on strike these days because they can permanently replace us when you're on strike. 
I wish somebody would have spoken to that at that trailer. That did not happen. This is the single biggest thing that is against us as a union and any other union in the nation of the United States. Because it's very difficult to go on, take your people on strike, knowing that you could have them permanently replaced and your striking power is diminished by that. There's a lot of people out there running around saying, well, we got to this, we got to that. Oh, we should do this. Oh, we just walk out. You know, at Lordstown, when, when all of this was coming down, we asked everybody for forbearance because a wildcat would just destroy your, your livelihood forever because you'd be branded by the corporate people. Any good job would just simply be impossible to attain. So wildcats, you know, there's no, in today's world, there's no good answer for those. Okay, we don't, we really shouldn't participate in those. We will participate, I imagine, this fall in a, in a very powerful and strong strike that will enforce with the very best of all of our tools available to us with any of our members and outside persons as may think they're going to walk and cross our picket line. That doesn't make it any easier because of striker replacement legislation that was not overturned during the Republican administration or during the first two years of the Democratic administration, 92, 93, I'm sorry, 90, yeah, I got 93 and 94, when there was a possibility of doing that. Again, very critical of that. There's a number of things that I'm very critical of that administration for, but very popular with a lot of people. Those of us that truly know and went through it in a leadership position know differently that that was not necessarily helpful. Of course, NAFTA and GATT also got passed and signed into law. So uh, the notion that we all support the strikers in Toledo at the hospital now is absolute, and we wish them the best, and we'll do everything we can. If there's any direction from the international to send assistance, we'll certainly uh, get that out there. Uh, we'll be in communication with some folks if we can to see if they need a striker assistance, and we'll give you an address to send that to. We've done that in the past for CAMI up in Canada, and they got almost $10,000 uh, from our uh, asking uh, remember the listeners here to, to send up a couple bucks now and then. So uh, give it give it some thought. Uh, right now they're not asking, but uh, as this con con continues, and they've brought in the striker replacements, it's going to get tougher. And this is what's going to happen in the fall. This is just a precursor to what you're going to see in the fall. So everybody, pack away the money, okay? Because you're going to need two or three months. This is gonna. This is not gonna be easy, starting September 
15th or thereabouts, depending on when they, how long they try to extend the agreements. Okay, so having said that, uh, that kind of covers the, the strike down there in Toledo and the uh, striker replacements that have been pulled in, and nobody discussed that. Uh, unfortunately, you did hear it here. Uh, what can we do about it? You know, I've been involved in one of those very uh, arduous confrontational picket lines at the milling where they actually gassed us. The police gassed us to keep us away from the gate so they could have egress into and from the plant. And I have all those tapes still in my possession that we took. Those are individuals, not union property. Okay. So uh, people who had cameras there and they gave those to me. Uh, having said all of that, um, any questions from uh, Jeff or Tom or comments, please? I don't have any, Leroy. Uh, one comment, Leroy. Uh, uh, local 14 up in Toledo, the powertrain power uh, plant, uh, had posted uh, wants and needs of the strikers up there for the uh, nurses, uh, local 12, I believe, and uh, uh, certain people don't know how to get in touch with them. There is a phone number attached, and I can post it on several of my group sites, and I'll post. I'll, I'll get it forward with what they need for the working for the living, and post it there if you'd like. That that was put out by local 14, I believe, uh, okay. where I first saw it, and I think local 12 up there, the FCA plant. So, I'll, I'll get okay. that posted on my group pages and send it to you. Okay. Right, and and what we'll last time we made a a, a page for, on our dot com, and then uh, and have, with all the information, and then posted that out and did, and reposted it, you know, like like we're doing with Red Shirt Day, uh, uh, Red Shirt Wednesday, uh, every now and then, so that people understood where to send the money and or anything that's re needed by them, whatever their needs are. So thanks for that, Tom. We'll we'll uh, we'll handle it that way and post it as you know anybody can free to post it. We'll try and do a little more with our site and do that. So everybody, and you know we're all making history here, so we're trying to just keep a record of it. Okay, we can do that, no problem. Um, anything else, Tom? No, that's 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 it. Another great show. Yeah, yeah. We got one more thing to cover, and then we're going to close it out here. Um, a week ago today, I got a message that a, a friend and colleague who I hadn't talked to or he hadn't talked to me for many years for his own reasons. I'm not sure why. Uh, well, I, I kind of get it, but, you know, he, he had a real big ego, and he didn't like other people saying nice things about me, I guess. I don't know. Uh, but I have a lot of, had a lot of respect for this man. He taught me an awful lot. I've had many mentors in my life that taught me a lot. Uh, but to put a fine point on how to actually run, conduct business as a leader of the International Union he gave me insight to that that is second to none. He gave me the ability to walk in tomorrow, yesterday, 
three years, four years ago, and just walk in, and with my other voluminous database, walk in and be able to truly run Solidarity House International UAW. This man knew an awful lot about organizations, how to make sure they worked properly, how to affect them in a positive or negative way. With ease, he had that knowledge. They would send him to places and say, get my power back. In Spring Hill, Tennessee, he went there. People would say, go do your thing and help this this, uh, uh, hospital that's in distress over there. He'd go there, help the the county transportation department, help them. He'd go there. He'd work his little magic. It wouldn't take much. wouldn't take long. But he had the ability and the knowledge of organizations to fix or break things. Richard Dangen passed away a week ago from anorexia the best of my knowledge. He went in the hospital at 129 pounds, as I'm told. And he was a friend. He Again, uh, for several years, we talked on the phone every day, sometimes many hours a day. Some of were redundant, but every now and then, even after it became redundant, you'd pull out a sentence that made even more sense of the entire globalness of his message. He probably knew more about the UAW than anybody ever knew about the UAW. He was personal friends with people like Edward Deming. Many of the Leading scholars of our time, psychologists, sociologists, psychiatrists, he was personal friends with and would have discussions about how their field was doing, their discipline, that is, the discipline of their uh, whatever field they were in, psychiatry or whatever organizational structure. He helped one member of the UAW to achieve his PhD from the University of Michigan. And he was quoted a lot in the dissertation. So much so that it was commented on we've never seen that much attribution and anyone sitting for their PhD. He knew a lot about me, and I knew an awful lot about him. I send my prayers to his three children, two sons and a daughter that I knew of, to all of his friends, any of his associates, his former colleagues at the UAW, as they remember and miss somebody who you either loved or hated.
would be free to say that today if he were alive. You either love me or you hate me. He brought knowledge to people sometimes that he never knew. Richard Dangent, let's have a moment of silence for your passing. Thank you, everybody. I hope you rest in peace in your heaven and are finally at peace with yourself. It was a very good life you lived. Jeff or Tom, do you have any comments on Brother Dangin as he passed recently? It had probably as much effect on our UAW as just about anybody. No, I don't. That's okay, Jeff. Okay. Tom, anything? I'll take that as no. So, we, you know, Jeff and I both knew him and interacted with him over the years. Uh, I was on another show with him off and on for a couple of years. Uh, so, uh, having said all that, um, let's uh, move to close the show. Uh, we're getting a little long in the tooth here tonight. We went by an hour and 33 uh, and we covered everything I think we're supposed to cover. Uh, next week uh, is Memorial Day weekend, so out of respect for work-life balance, there will be no show. Uh, if there's some major thing going on, we'll try and have an abbreviated one, but I think uh, we, some of us may be out of town uh, or just busy with family, so uh, just know that, uh, that we're not planning on having a show. If something comes up, we'll We'll try and have an abbreviated show like we did uh, for uh, uh, Cinco de Mayo there. We had a real short show. So, uh, Jeff, you got anything to comment? Uh, anything at all? Uh, no. Um just want to let everybody know have a good holiday weekend. Stay safe. Um, again, Michigan is filled with road construction no matter where you go. <laughs> right. Uh, but, yeah, have, have a good weekend. Okay, Tom, you got any closing remarks? Yeah, Jeff and uh, Leroy and everybody else out there, have a great Memorial Day uh, weekend and uh, drive safe if you're traveling. Uh, God bless everybody, and uh, I didn't get a chance to get in there. And uh, God bless uh, Dick Dangin and his family. Uh, I didn't know him personally, but uh, heard a lot of good things and uh, some negative, uh, much of what most of us, go through in life you either love us or hate us but uh, that's life so uh, we we lost a, a great uh, labor activist when we lost dick dangin from uh, what i've derived people uh, from what people have told me about dick uh, so have a great weekend everybody all right thanks tom uh want okay uh having said that i want to thank all our listeners globally uh north america uh, Canada, Mexico, and the United States, all our brothers and sisters in the UAW, every worker person in the country or the world working for a living, we're all about you. We're trying to make life a little better for all of us here every week when we are on, on the air, and we do it through the week that you don't see so much. But uh, thanks, everybody. We hope you enjoyed the messages tonight. And uh, uh, good night, listeners. Good night, Jeff, and good night, Tom. Thanks, Tom. Good night, everybody. Good night, everybody. Good night.